0: Take a look. They carry all the brand names and tires. If you provide them with a better price at the time of purchase, they'll match it. You don't have to wait for a tire sale. They have the best prices guaranteed every day. Let's get you safely down the road wearing Sheridan Chevrolet 107 Nostalgia online wearing Sheridan.com. You said I do. Now you need to visit and enter the new Sheridan Media Bridal Preview Sweepstakes on the contest page
1: at sheridanmedia.com. Not only will you find vendors to help make your wedding day even more special, you can register to win over $1,100 worth of prizes. This year's vendors include Cottonwood Kitchen and Home, Forever Flawless, Bighorn Mountain Axe, Legacy Diamond and Gyms, Bomber Mountain Bus, Mirror Mirror Salon and Day Spa, and Bombshell Catering.
2: Are you looking for what could be one of the best employment opportunities available today? Decker Coal is currently hiring mobile equipment operators. These are day shift positions with excellent benefits you could expect from an established company like Decker Coal. Experience is preferred, but they will train the right person. Are you interested in joining the team? Stop by the Sheridan Workforce Center and fill out an application. Decker Coal Company is an equal opportunity employer. The following message is presented by
0: Century21BHJ.com. This is Jeff from Sheridan Fire Rescue, reminding you of the importance of having working smoke detectors in your home. Remember that if your smoke detectors are over 10 years old, they should be replaced. Also, remember to change the batteries in your smoke detectors every six months. If you need smoke detectors, you can call Sheridan Fire Rescue at 307-674-7244, and we will provide them at no cost to you.
4: Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse. Happy, very cold Monday morning. Now, this morning's first part of the program will deal with elements of human sex trafficking, abuse, and combating the victimization of children and young adults. Listener discretion is advised. Joining me on this very cold morning is co-founder and executive director of Uprising, Terry Markham. Good morning, Terry. Good morning. Now, how, uh, how was your New Year this year?
5: It's actually been really nice. It's been really calm and peaceful, which is a wonderful way to start the new year. (laughs)
4: Absolutely. Uh, Now, I've been asking my guests uh, a series of questions uh, going into this new year. And the question I'm going to ask you this morning is, what is one thing you would like to learn this year as far as a hobby or maybe even just a, a subject that you're interested in?
5: You know, I can't really think of exactly what I'd want to learn. I, I love learning and always learning, but I think a, a big goal of mine this year will be to read more. And just over this last month of, you know, things being calm for the holidays, I just checked my Goodreads and I'm on my seventh book this year already. Nice. So wow. I, so far, so good.
4: <laughs> you know, that's something that I've heard quite a bit. A lot of people have said that they would like to sit down with just a good old fashioned book. Uh, As opposed to having to read all the time on their phones, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, a lot of us read for work, and and so we get plenty of reading in. But I can't remember the last time. Well, I guess I started Dune again, so (laughs) that and that was a while ago. I I don't read for fun as often as I should. But uh, so January is Human Trafficking Month. It's going to give us an opportunity to actually look at and address this problem. You have been doing this for a number of years. Can you tell us what Uprising's mission is?
5: Yeah, our mission is really to get upstream of the problem. And we primarily do that by trying to bring um, awareness, education, and outreach to communities all across Wyoming so that people are aware that human trafficking is a thing that can happen even in Wyoming, Um, And that they have the tools to hopefully um, avoid some of the risk factors that could lead to that. Um, And then, of course, you know, when it already is happening in our community, having those tools to identify it and know how to respond to it.
4: Now, how long has Uprising been in operation?
5: This is our, I believe we're going on six years now. We officially became a 501c3 in August of 2019, and, yeah, we're just kind of chugging along. But I'd say we're still pretty young in the nonprofit world.
4: And when it comes to the organization and the mission <laughs> itself, there's not a lot of organizations in Wyoming that approach this the way that you do with Uprising, is there?
5: I, I can't think of any that I'm aware of. And I do a lot of this work around the state. There's a lot of organizations who um, work on trafficking as like a piece of something that they do, but I think we're one of the only organizations whose sole mission is to combat trafficking locally. Um, there's also a couple of of people whose organizations are founded in Wyoming, but the trafficking issues that they're working on are out of country, for example.
4: Oh, wow, really? Yeah. And going going <clears throat> abroad. Uh, now, what ignited the founding of Uprising?
5: You know, that's a fun story for me because I people always assume that I had some, like, calling into this. But I always tell people I kind of just tripped into this on accident. Um, I was actually invited, like, almost a dozen years ago now to join a support group for women working in the sex industry. And through that work, um, I used to visit with women in and, and strip clubs and brothels and illicit massage parlors um, and just form relationship with them and rapport And through that work, I started to notice a lot of red flags and and come to find out what I was seeing was human trafficking. And it didn't look like the movie's taken. It didn't look like, you know, the picture I had in my head of what I thought trafficking was. And so that just uh, pivoted something in me, you know. It's like once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. Um, So I started to do this work. And then when I moved here to Sheridan, I met... um, One of my very best friends, um, Alexandra, who's actually our co-founder. And she had actually come to me and was like, hey, I heard you're working on this human trafficking thing. um," She's like, I've experienced some similar stuff and I'd like to help you. And when she told me of her experience, I was actually like, you know, what you just described to me actually is is human trafficking. Um, And this was a girl with, you know, she has multiple degrees and lots of secondary education she's worked in the victimization field for many years and even she didn't realize that what she experienced actually was human trafficking because that's how little public awareness and education there is around what trafficking actually is and how broad it is so that's really what led us into starting it and you know we couldn't just go find a job doing this work because no one else was doing it so we had to make it
4: so if we were to take a step back and look at the realities of human trafficking, human sex trafficking, what are those uh, differences between what we do see kind of in the media, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in movies and stories as opposed to the reality that, that you deal with every day? Are there any stark contrasts?
5: Well, yeah, I think what we see in the media is going to be a lot of, really sensationalized stuff. You know, it's going to look like action movies. It's going to look like this big perilous stuff, but really it's just every day right under our nose is happening. And I always tell people, sex trafficking in particular, um, there's three things you need. Any sex act exchange for anything of value where a third party's profiting. That could look as simple as, I don't know, a, a case I see really commonly is like a drug addict- addicted parent in our community who is selling their child because that's how they get their next drug fix. It could look like um, a homeless youth who needs shelter and exchanges sex um, for a meal and a place to stay for the night. You know, it doesn't always have to be this huge thing of like organized criminal rings and crossing of borders It can happen right out of someone's house. It can be happening to them while they're still going about what appears to be a regular life. Um, and it's right here every single day.
4: Yeah. And a lot of those, um, when we look at like illicit massage parlors and things like that, a lot of these immigrants coming to this country are, are forced into this, correct?
5: Oh, certainly. Yeah. With something like illicit massage, um, Primarily all of the victims nationwide in this industry are coming from Southeast Asian countries where they live in horrible, horrible forms of poverty. Um, what a lot of people don't understand is they're actually coming over here legally. They're getting all of the right paperwork to come over, um, but it's almost like they're being scammed. They're told if you take out these outrageous loans, you get this visa, all of this we will get you to the U.S. We'll get you a legit job. And then once they're here, they're told, you know, what you're actually going to be doing is, is selling commercial sex. And, and at that point, for their culture especially, that's extremely shameful. So they're very unlikely to reach back out for help because they view it as they got themselves in this, this problem, in this situation.
4: And completely legal. But now, because uh, these individuals have, uh, you know, quote unquote, helped them get to mm-hmm. their new country, you've got a debt to pay.
5: Yeah, they're, we call it debt bondage. They'll never get out of that debt. I actually just had a, a Casper PD officer reach out to me a few months back uh, regarding a potential illicit massage case. And a lot of times the victims are forced to keep ledgers. And in the ledger, it showed every time she went to sleep, she was charged. When she went to the bathroom, she was charged. Anytime she ate a bowl of ramen noodles, she was charged. So on top of the big, you know, loan she had to take just to get here, Then she's also dealing with um, she'll never get out from the daily charges for just being, quote, unquote, taking care of while she's working. Um, And then she also told him how much she was making for per massage. And it was um, it amounted to 11 cents U.S. per massage.
4: Wow. Wow. How big is your staff?
5: Our staff is pretty small. There are three of us total Um, But with three of us, I mean, I was just looking at our 2023 numbers and we trained approximately 5,000 people this year. Wow. Yeah. So we are small but mighty, i like to think.
4: I love it. Yeah, absolutely. But of those 5,000, who who are the individuals that you're training?
5: A big chunk of them, um, I think something like 1,200 of them were what we'd call professionals. So those are law enforcement educators social workers healthcare workers bank employees you know people who got training because of their professional role role um, a huge chunk of them I think in the 12 to 1300 range were youth um, because we do a lot of going into schools talking to youth groups anytime we can get in front of um, any school age kids we like to take that opportunity to empower them with you know, information to avoid ever experiencing this. Absolutely. Um, And then uh, the rest of them would be um, probably just what I call general community members who come to an awareness event or come to, you know, a sextortion movie screening or whatever we have going on.
4: Now, when it comes to the services that are provided, speaking education, um, I don't know how much we can talk about how much you personally have helped law enforcement. But... There's quite a bit that you do, isn't there? services wide
5: Yeah, I, I think it's funny. I, I never imagined that this job would, such a huge part of it, would be um, working with law enforcement, That, but that's probably become one of the strongest arms of what we do. Um, and so this year's really exciting because in 2023, um, we revamped our law enforcement training. Historically, what we used to do was bring in a human trafficking expert to our state to train law enforcement um, but now we've worked with some really great law enforcement partners for so long that we hit the point where we felt like we have local Wyoming law enforcement who can continue this training. Who are now the experts. Yes. So Fantastic. they've become experts. So we have uh, a whole team of current and, and retired law enforcement that work with us. Um, we revamped our training. We now call it AIR training for assess, investigate, and respond Um, And we are teaching these air training modules all across the state um, for all arms of law enforcement in Wyoming. And it's being taught by Wyoming law enforcement. We have survivors there. Um, It's fantastic. And um, we have, you know, we can do short little things when they're needed, but primarily what we're doing are eight-hour advanced investigations classes And then we've gotten a request to up that to a 16-hour class that we'll be doing in 2024 and offering as well. And then on top of that, we have our training um, conference, our regional conference, GRIT. And this will be our third year in 2024. And a huge chunk of the attendees to GRIT are law enforcement, where they're getting um, hands-on immersive training during that. That's unlike any other conference I've ever heard of or been to in the U.S.
4: Now... Uh, i've got to take a quick commercial break but just just real quick before i do there wasn't a whole lot of this kind of training or opportunity for law enforcement before uprising before you and your team went out there are you seeing like a new vigor um, you know very excited law enforcement individuals who are loving this training because they've had to deal with these issues for so long not having it
5: Yeah, kind of. What I'm seeing, I think, is that law enforcement, it's clicking for them that, oh, I have been seeing human trafficking all along. I just didn't know it was trafficking. You know, I thought it was this or this or this because it intersects with a lot of other crimes. And now they're able to identify it also as human trafficking. And so I'm getting more identifications than I've ever gotten before and lots of disclosures about that. But the law enforcement in Wyoming is great. Um, They definitely seem appreciative and like this training. So I'm excited to see where it goes in the future.
4: Yeah, where they can take it now. I think that would be absolutely fantastic. All right, I got to take a quick commercial break. We're going to have more with Terry Markham and Uprising right after this. You're listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE at 103.9 FM, Sheridan.
6: A new year means new adventures. Make this year the start of your homeownership adventure with First Federal Bank & Trust. Our local team will guide you through the home loan process from start to finish. Explore our online tools 24-7 from customizable financial calculators to daily mortgage rates. Call us or stop by our home loan center to get pre-qualified or apply online today at efirstfederal.bank. At First Federal Bank & Trust, we're making home happen in Sheridan. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.
4: Life in Sheridan is dynamic.
0: Between work, family, and the great outdoors, schedules can get hectic. At Sheridan Memorial Hospital's Primary Care, we're making your health care more convenient. You can confirm, reschedule, cancel, or ask questions about your appointment with a quick text. No time to call? Simply send us a text, and we'll promptly get back to you. It's healthcare made easy, just the way you like it. Primary Care, caring for you and your family. Located in downtown Sheridan and online at sheridanprimarycare.com. This is Ken here at Primary Motors, where we understand everybody's situation is different. We recently had a customer
1: that needed to keep his ranch truck, not trade it in. What he needed was a car for town. After visiting with him, we discovered that what he did have was an extra stock trailer. We were able to take that trailer as a trade-in and got him a nice economy car that was good on gas and easy to park downtown. Stop in. Let's work something out. Here at Prime Rate
0: Motors, the Super Trailer Store, or PrimeRateMotors.com.
3: This public service announcement sponsored by Pilch Engineering, providing geological engineering services to Wyoming.
2: Hi, this is Janet with AARP Tax Aid, reminding you tax season is here. If you need assistance with preparation, please call the hub at 672-2240. Our certified team will prepare your taxes on Tuesday or Thursday, and it's free. That number once again, 672-2240. Hope to see you.
7: Your phone is so smart.
6: It knows where you are, what you like, where you live. And if you're a business that's using digital advertising, the equation is the same as other platforms. If your ad isn't compelling, can't be changed, and your target audience, well, isn't targeted, plus you're stuck in a contract, then you're throwing your money away. Let Shared Media help you with your digital advertising. We'll lock in your target audience, create eye-catching ads, and give you more flexibility with your campaign. Find out more by emailing sales at sharedmedia.com. That's sales at sharedmedia.com.
4: Welcome back to Public Pulse. I'm Floyd Whiting. This morning's first part of the program is dealing with elements of human sex trafficking, trafficking, abuse, and combating the victimization of children and young adults. Listener discretion is advised. Joining me on this cold morning is co-founder and executive director of Uprising, Terry Markham. Now we've talked about kind of who Uprising is and what their mission is uh, in the first part. So now, Terry, I'm going to sit here and ask you, how severe is the human trafficking problem here in the Cowboy State specifically?
5: It's really hard to quantify that, and that's probably one of the most common questions that I get asked. Um, So I'm going to pivot on how I answer it. What I'll say is with doing tons of awareness and training and education over the last six or so years here in Wyoming, I am starting to see... uh, an increase in the identifications of human trafficking, which is what's to be expected. Um, Now that more people are equipped to know what it actually looks like, they are noticing it. And we probably are fielding where we used to never get calls like this. You know, we personally as a non-victim serving agency are often fielding multiple calls a month from either victims themselves who are reaching out for help or from law enforcement or victim advocacy groups around the state who have identified a victim and are looking for resources for that victim. And so that's to me where I am starting to see the shift. It's always been here, but now we're noticing it more. Um, Certainly because of our population, we're not going to have as big of a human trafficking issue as Texas. We just don't have as many people. But I think most people, when they hear about the different types of trafficking we see um, are pretty shocked to realize, how much of it is in our communities.
4: Yeah, because it's hidden. Isn't mm-hmm. it? uh, it's hidden behind all kinds of uh, mm-hmm. and different forms. Um, and and when it comes to the actual trafficking itself, I mean, major freeways going through Wyoming. Sometimes, Absolutely. you know, the only way north or the fastest way north or the fastest way west or even east. So to sit and, and be able to, Quantify those numbers, categorize it. I mean, I think we'll probably start seeing numbers within the next, what, three, four years, because now being able to identify it, I can categorize it. I can target it and and we can track it.
5: I hope so. What I've seen nationwide is that people historically are not good at keeping track of this because there's no one agency working on it and there's no central tracking system For this type of thing. So that has long been a barrier in working in the anti-trafficking field in the U.S.
4: Wow. Yeah. So this is, that's a national problem.
5: It is. It's, and it's really hard and it's, it's severely underreported as well. You know, a lot of people who are dealing this are unlikely to go to law enforcement or a victim serving agency. So on top of that, the numbers that we do have really aren't probably reflective of the entire problem, of course.
4: And when it comes to the victims coming to you, can you tell me where you do refer them?
5: Oftentimes we're referring them to programs that are out of state. If they are in immediate crisis, absolutely in danger. Of course, our first recommendation would be called your local law enforcement wherever you're at. Um, but most of the calls that I receive um, are not those crisis situations. And so they are looking for long-term aftercare so that they can get out of those situations and maintain staying out of them um, for the foreseeable, you know, for the rest of their lives is the hope. And so they need really specialized care. And we don't have any human trafficking-specific victim-serving agencies in our state. And so a lot of times I'm referring them to my friends in Billings in South Dakota, down in Colorado. Um, But I've actually had to... Sometimes those, those programs are full. There's no beds, so to speak. Um, so I've had to refer victims sometimes across the country. And thankfully, there's agencies and funds out there for when we need to fly someone across the country to, to be able to get access to a program. But sometimes that's not possible for a victim. You know, if they have children here, if they have, um, you know, reasons that they cannot leave, then they're often without the specialized help that they could really use.
4: So there's a lot of victims out there who probably may have, as you were saying before, not even known that they were victims. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, like lightning striking their brain, they suddenly get it. Oh, my gosh, Mm -hmm. this is happening to me. I got out, but now I've got nowhere to go to get treatment, to even just to try and make sense of what just happened in my life. I would feel so
5: lost. That is 100% the feeling that I get from a lot of um, these survivors that I encounter and that I work with, that's, you hit it right there and nail on the head.
4: You just, you become a zombie and go through the motions of your day to try and get by.
5: And then relapse is really high because oftentimes like you've gotten out of the situation. It's the only thing you know. And so it's too hard trying to navigate all these different systems to get all the assistance you need, having to retell your trauma over and over. Sometimes it's just, it's too much. And it's easier to just go back into that lifestyle because at least it's something you know how to navigate. You know what to expect.
4: Or in, in situations where we have, you know, these poor immigrants who have come here legally. Uh, I don't know what they're going to go do to my family in the other country. Um, I could only imagine the fear uh, that these people use to try and control these, not just women, but also men In 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 this life. What type of predatory behavior do we see the most here in the cowboy state?
5: Again, it's really hard to put my thumb on it because it's so underreported, but I'd say the thing that I probably hear the most, the most sort of common widespread type of victimization that I tend to see is the online based trafficking and technology based trafficking because it's just so easy I mean, um, especially for predators who are preying on children via social media, gaming, apps, websites, um, it's shooting fish in a barrel because access is high because, I mean, every kid has a phone now. So literally these predators are, are right in our children's bed, bedrooms on the other sides of those screens. Um, and that's the thing that a lot of people don't realize Trafficking can even happen online. But again, you think of that sex act in exchange for something of value where someone's profiting, that can look as simple as a kid meets someone online, that person coerces them into sending nude photos or videos, and then they turn around and sell those photos and videos. Um, That child may not even realize that they're being victimized, um, but it happens every day at such high numbers. Um, And so that's the thing that I would say I spend a lot of my time um, working in that realm.
4: And I could completely understand because that might be going on and the parents have no idea. One thing the last time that you and I spoke that you talked about, you told me about, and I wanted to hit hard because I was so shocked by it. And that's gaming systems Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, maybe it's just my ignorance as I'm getting older. I don't really embrace the social aspect of a console, You know, I'm used to Nintendo and Super Nintendo, which went nowhere. So these gaming systems now are as advanced as your cell phone, as a computer. And so you may have friends on there or your child may have friends on there. You know nothing about.
5: (laughs) Absolutely. I always tell parents, you have to treat that online realm as you would an in-person realm. Like I would never go drop my eight-year-old child off at Cheyenne Frontier Days, you know, and be like, see ya, have a great time. I'll pick you up later tonight without any help, any guidance, any rules, any protections in place. And it's the same thing when they, you know, they get on the Fortnite or the Minecraft or whatever it is, you know, you're potentially dropping them into millions of people who now have access to your child. And if you haven't gone through, training and coaching and and talking to your child and having conversations about how to stay safe in those places, then they're potentially going to be, you know, easy prey for someone who has bad intentions and anywhere that youth are, that's where the predators are.
4: Exactly. And I was, I was going to say that as well, because that's exactly what they're doing. They're taking the next step to try and stay a step ahead of the rest of us as they look for their next victim. (laughs) Now <clears throat> I'm running out of time unfortunately, Terry how what is just one thing uh, uh, someone can do to help either your organization or uh, help you with this fight?
5: I think the number one thing that you can do is get educated. So follow us on social media, look on our website, book uh, you know a training or an awareness presentation for a group that you work with or bring us to your business to do a little blurb, come to an event, something like that. Um, With this being Human Trafficking Awareness Month, we are close to home a lot this month, so we're happy to get out and and do stuff like that in the community. We'll be at Black Tooth Bingo on Wednesday night doing some fundraising, so that's obviously a way you can help is, is make a donation, and that helps us reach more people.
4: Terry, I want to thank you so much for braving the cold this morning, my friend, coming in here and speaking with me about this very, very important issue. Thank you. Thank you. When we come back, we're going to speak with Northern Wyoming Community College and Whitney Benefits. Stay with us. You're listening to Public Pulse on 930KROE and 103.9 FM, Sheridan.
6: Have you ever wondered what makes First Federal Bank & Trust unique? We're a mutual bank, which means our focus is on you. Unlike other banks, we don't pay shareholders, we pay our community. At First Federal Bank & Trust, your financial interests drive our decisions. Bank with us and experience the mutual bank difference, where the power of community fuels your financial success. First Federal Bank & Trust is Sheridan's only mutual bank. Member FDIC.
4: Moss Holders Design Center is
2: here to help you create a space that you'll love. If you're relocating, remodeling, or just refreshing your home, Moss Holders' talented design team can help you through the process. With free in-home consultations, Moss Holders will be able to find the furniture and finishing touches that work best with your space, your lifestyle, and your budget. So if you want to change the look of just one room or furnish an entire home, Moss Holders designers can get it done. Moss Holders. Furniture is our passion. If you're a Sheridan City resident, now's the time to sign up to receive critical emergency alerts from the city on your cell phone. Get information on severe weather, snow removal parking requirements, service outages, and more. The city's goal is for every city resident to sign up and receive these time-sensitive notifications, and now's the best time to do it. For more information and to sign up, scan the QR code in this week's Country Bounty, or click the link on SheridanMedia.com. I'm here today with Candace Crane from Sheridan Honda and Power Sports. Tommy,
7: hi. Happy New Year. New Year, new me. New Year, but same team at Sheridan Honda and Power Sports. Did you know that our average employee tenure is 10 years? There's been a lot of changes in town, but what you can count on with us are the same faces that live and work in our community.
3: Well, who's worked the longest?
7: Ken Weber. has been here for 45 years. If you haven't been in to visit him or the team lately, come say hi and enter to win our monthly giveaway of $500 in Chamber Bucks so we can keep our shopping local.
0: Stop to Sheridan Honda and Power Sports today. Delicious McDonald's deals are now more fun, more accessible, and better than ever through the McDonald's mobile app. Download the McDonald's app, join My McDonald's Rewards to get your free large fries with a $1 minimum purchase. Plus, when you join My McDonald's Rewards, you start earning points on every eligible order. Points you can put towards more free food. Just order, relax, and enjoy. Go to the Google Play or Apple App Store, download the McDonald's mobile app, and start saving. Download it now.
1: They say you never know which direction a pickle's going to squirt. And that's just like the gamble you take heading out somewhere on your 4x4 side-by-side or snowmobile without it being serviced, tuned up, or repaired. Otherwise, you're just taking the
8: chance of that machine not getting you back home again. Let Hando Service Center keep you from spending the night hiking out to where you actually have cell service. Yeah, you may not need them today, but one day you will. So remember, Hando Service Center on Sheridan's
4: Heartland Drive. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse. Bradley, brought to you by our friends out there at First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. Whitney Benefits has partnered with Sheridan College to help fund the Advanced Manufacturing Facility, providing more space for many trades and vocational programs, including the Construction Technology Program. For the second part of our show this morning, I am joined by Northern Wyoming Community College Director of Construction Technology Program. Josh Michelina, the president of Northern Wyoming Community College, Dr. Walt Tribley, and Whitney Benefits Executive Director, Aaron Kilbride. Good morning, and welcome back to the show. Uh, it's always great to see you guys. Good morning. Staying warm? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, that's, that seems to be the job. It's a bit of a battle right now. Yeah. You know, it's 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 so cold outside. You could be sitting next to a heater, you get two inches away from that thing, and boy howdy. You're going to be missing it. So let's go into just exactly what the Construction Technology Program is. Can you tell me about that? So the Construction
8: Technology Program is started in 2005. Um, We have um, a hands-on residential carpentry program. So the students learn residential carpentry skills to be trained as highly uh, skilled entry-level carpenters. And so they learn uh, pretty much uh, foundations, framing, and we work in partnership with Habitat for Humanity and learn all the carpentry skills to build houses and homes.
4: So when it comes to this program, when I walk in there, um, I want to be a plumber. I'm going to be part of this program? Uh, no, you know, this just says the carpentry skills. Uh, down the road, we're going to have
8: a, it's a new building coming online. We'll have HVAC, plumbing, and electrical apprenticeships. This just focuses on the carpentry and the construction side of the building
4: skills. So when we look at this new facility, it's not going to just expand room for the program that we have now. It's going to expand the program.
8: Correct. Yes. Uh, Right now we take 12 students in our first year certificate cohort. And so those students go out in the field and build Habitat houses. Uh, We're going to still partner with Habitat. We're moving into this building so the weather isn't a factor. We can focus on the carpentry skills. And then those students can choose to go on to a two-year associate's degree and learn some more leadership and more carpentry skills. And then the other apprenticeships that are offering will be HVAC plumbing and electrical to support those. And as we get to be building buildings in these, those apprenticeships will be at the evening with all the skilled trades people that are out in the field learning those HVAC plumbing electrical skills.
4: This is fascinating. You know, uh, during COVID, uh, a lot of layoffs, a lot of things went down. All of a sudden, all these degrees that people worked so hard for seemed almost... I'm I'm never ever gonna say a degree is a waste, but there are people out there working in fields that they didn't go to school for. Had you seen an increased interest in programs like this since that time, or was there an increased interest beforehand? Um, I'm I'm looking at Doctor Tribley.
1: Yeah, well, Floyd for sure, and I'm reminded at minus thirty how important this new building is. Well, I, mean, yes, I, I know uh, Josh spoke to that, but. You'll be able to be inside and teaching because of this new building in the program we have, you know, I think the nation, it's a national thing. And, uh, the nation moved away from hands-on learning big time. I'm, I i do not know if I'm old enough that we you know we had shop class. Yeah. I had wood shop, metal shop. I took power tech where you take a Briggs and Stratton engine, take it apart, put it back together. Even jewelry making yes. hands-on, you use the flame and silver uh, and we've moved away from that across the nation in our K-12 a, a, a lot, not exclusively, but certainly we've moved away from that. Coll- community colleges never moved away from that. Uh, so we have been become the place where people go to get uh career in technical education. So we certainly, see, I say we see about the same interest in our programs. Uh, they wax and wane depending on the year, but we tend to have full programs. Uh, we need houses and we need people to know how to build houses and what a skill, even if that graduate 20 years down the road or whenever, right after graduation, doesn't go into carpentry, they're going to use that skill around their house and they're going to be able to uh, speak with construction trades people. Anyway, we're very proud of our, uh, of Josh and our uh, construction tech program, it's a uh, it's, it's the the base program on top of which the plumbing and HVAC, electrical and others can then build off of.
4: And you said that you're seeing in increased interest in this program. Uh, w- what did you say Around 12 per year right now. Um, I am just going to take a stab in the dark and I'm going to estimate that we're going to see programs like this, 50, 60 certifications uh, in in. The future in just a matter of years, I think, if not two or three, once the facility is actually made, because the partner is also you were talking about your partnership with Habitat for Humanity. Could you tell me just a little bit more about that partnership and how our students are helping uh, to benefit Habitat for Humanity while at the same time benefiting from that experience?
8: Well, uh, Floyd, right now we go out, and in fact, we got two helms we've been working on that got dried in before Christmas break, and we're helping them. Um, and we'll be working on the trim stuff that's coming into the next semester when we start next uh, week. But the uh, um, habitats gave us a place for our labs to be. So right now, that's our only lab, pretty much. We have a wood shop on campus we do some construction finish skills in. But my students spend between 10 and 16 hours a week out in the field working with habitat. And the neat part about the Habitat Partnership is sometimes the homeowners themselves have to work on the Habitat Houses, and we get to see other community volunteers that are not from the college. So the students get to see and meet other contractors and other community volunteers and the homeowners and get to build their homes for them. So some of them have built long relationships with some of the homeowners um, just from being out there in the field working on those homes.
4: And as you said, other uh, individuals within the industry itself, I could have a job before I never actually walk out of the door with my certificate. Correct. I mean, it could yeah. happen. I imagine it probably has. Yeah. Now, tell me about the new Advanced Manufacturing Center. What is this going to look like? So the Advanced
8: Manufacturing facility will. Be, it was about a 25,000-square-foot building, and so half of it's going to be for Advanced Manufacturing. Um, they're working on remodeling that right now, making some spaces for uh, 3D printing, uh, carbon fiber, some all kinds of different types of advanced manufacturing materials, which is separate from the construction tech program, uh, and provide, hopefully, draw in bigger industries for like carbon fiber and some of the 3D manufacturing uh, in partnership with our precision machine tool program. Uh, the other half of the building will be the construction technology part, which is about 12,000 square feet, and so it's just a big open area which is going to let us build uh, buildings in somewhere between tiny homes and, you know, 1,680 square foot, three bedroom, two bath houses. Uh, There's going to be a big airplane hangar door in the south end. So it's uh, 36 foot wide and 27 foot tall. So we'll actually be building a whole house just like you build on a job site inside the building and then be transported from there to a foundation or uh, basement somewhere in the community.
4: (laughs) Holy cow. So we're going to build houses inside this building and then just go drop them off. Yes.
8: Yes. Uh, the college won't be moving. We have some professional movers that we've been visiting with that will be moving the buildings. But, yes, uh, that's the plan, that we'll be able to move them outside the building. And Like I said, they'll be varying sizes. We might be doing like a three-bedroom, two-bath, pretty good size home. Like a, that'd be like a 28 by 60, or we may be doing like a little 14 by 30 cabin to go on a you know, pond or a ranch somewhere.
4: Doc, how was this conceptualized? Uh, who came to you guys and said, you know what,
1: this is what we need? Uh, well we're we're always working in, in partnership with our community the builders in our community and our uh, the employers on the manufacturing side in our community and so we're we're keeping our uh, pulse if you will keeping our finger on the pulse there uh, Josh has always had the vision of needing space inside this goes back i mean we work in a very inclement place and it's it's tough to it's tough to send students and faculty out when the when the when the wind's blowing at minus 20, right? And a
4: little and it's, hard to hang onto a hammer outside right now. Yeah, I'd say.
1: <laughs> and and I know that they are headed in that direction, right? That's the nature of building in the Northern Colorado up in Alaska. But when you're teaching, you have to stop and take moments and you have to talk and you have to, it's not like just hitting the ground running, you know, with your head down, with your parker on and get, get it done. The vision, the vision for that building involves Whitney benefits for sure. Uh, that, that building came to us in an elaborate land a land deal that uh, Josh's program was across from the hub that's now an expanded parking lot there was a daycare that resulted because of this land swap and the college received that building and the property from Seven Pillars that's um, the Osbornes and uh, Emit of Emit fame and that building then uh, was funded was envisioned to have this function and to have a manufacturing function. It took a while to get there on that. Uh, the, the building's construction is a $9.6 million construction budget. Half of that is funded by the state. We're very thankful to our two local elected officials at the time that got us, uh, advocated for us there, uh, Senator Kinski and at the time Representative Kinner. The other half of that $9.6 million and more than a $3 million equipment budget and a million dollars to the uh, architect has to be funded locally. And that's where we have been blessed to have a partner in Whitney Benefits. Uh, they have contributed at this point over $2 million. They've purchased 21 acres to the south, five acres to the west, have made a gift to the college, and have always, as as always, have been there. And I certainly appreciate Executive Director Kilbride and uh, President Garber and the, the group over there in Whitney. We couldn't have done this without them.
4: Now, Aaron... When this hit the desk, what did you think?
9: Well, uh, this was in the works before I came on board a year ago. I was actually a trustee at the college, so I was kind of seeing it from that side and seeing what the state was going to fund and what our match was going to look like and how we how the college um, at the time was going to meet that match. Um, And of course, you know, Whitney benefits obviously um, the founder Edward A. Whitney. You know, Sheridan College was a big piece of of our, is a big piece of our mission and our will. So of course we want to see, um, we want to see CTE grow, you know, with our new industry in, in, in our local industry here in Sheridan, but, and then what a fit, you know, when with Sheridan college being a big asset to this community and, and how can we help Sheridan college meet the right, meet the demands of, of what the needs of our community. So it, uh, you know, again, it was before my time, but then once I stepped in a year ago, all those kind of transactions were happening. And, um, and so it was easy. It's no brainer. It, we're excited about the project. We're excited about the growth. Um, excited that they have a facility. I mean, a facility like this, you know, if, if they had to start from the ground up would be m- m- millions and millions. Oh, so, wow. yeah. so, so $9 million project to make this function, uh, to the needs of the college is just awesome. And so, we're very happy to support it and proud to be a part of it. Now,
4: when we look at the future, we're looking at different aspects, things being brought into this new manufacturing center, like 3D printing. Uh, I know it's not overly new, but I've seen, like, whole homes be 3D printed lately. What are your thoughts on that as as someone who teaches this industry is that anything uh that appeals to the college for future development
8: i think we're open to any of those types of opportunities uh, the 3d printing one mostly is in concrete um they had one at the national home builder show last year being printed um, the residential stick building probably still going to um, be there uh, it is changing it is you see panelized wall systems coming in you're seeing uh, what's called core modulars and so they're building modulars, not like the traditional modulars we think of or the double-wide trailer houses, um, but pods of modulars where they build them in a factory and then they assemble them. And once they're assembled, you really couldn't drive down the street and tell them from a stick-built house. And so there's some some opportunities out there that things are changing. That we're, This facility should accommodate regular stick-building too like we're traditionally doing and be able to incorporate some of those newer technologies where we're maybe putting together some modular pods and they're being assembled out in the field.
4: I think it's absolutely amazing that you guys are able to partner with Habitat for Humanity because as a student, not only am I learning, but wow, what a fantastic contribution to my community and understanding that part of the construction industry, literally from the trenches, I think is amazing. Is there any plans in the works to possibly help other organizations, uh, whether that be nonprofits or maybe even private industry in the future in that same realm.
8: We haven't come up with a real firm plan yet. We'll probably continue to work with the nonprofits and habitat. Uh, my second year students, when they come back, will be out in the field. If anybody's worried out there that they won't be out working when it's cold and muddy and wet and windy, uh, the second year students will get a taste of that. Probably back with the habitat <laughs> for humanity folks. Uh, there's a lot of other veterans programs and that that could use some structures built um, that we're kind of keeping our, open
4: to see what we what we can do uh, sir that is exactly where my mind was at some of these like veterans small homes and things like that uh, you know there could be great partnerships the the college and veterans working together to house one so I think that's amazing to hear that you're keeping that an open option sir Floyd
1: uh, to your point about um, anything that we might be uh, contributing to other industries, you know, in, and on the manufacturing side, this building will have space that's quite unique for a community college space. It actually takes the idea of a business incubator that we're all familiar with, a business incubator typically uh, in one version of an incubator space. It's office space. You know, you got it's wired, it's got Wi-Fi, it's got nice parking, it's got a lot of things, it's access to freeways. But what does incubator space, to try to create or expand new products, bring in new, new, new business, what does that look like in manufacturing when you need a 3-D printer, you need the materials for it, you need the expertise to run it? You may have an idea, uh, Floyd, for a product that will make your business easier, but you may not have the skills to run a CNC machine or a mill, et cetera. So this building will have that space. It will be entrepreneurial. The, the right in the middle of the building, there is space for that function. So if a person has an idea that has a product but has to expand it a little bit, test the market, see if it's going to sell, they could come and make a deal with the college uh, and, and test it out. And if in 10-plus years that that idea doesn't pan out, it's great teaching spaces. Right away from the very beginning, it could be used for student projects, et cetera. So that's on the manufacturing side. Um, we're incredibly proud of josh and his program and partnering with habitat for humanity our students do we all have to learn that we're in this together and we need to look out for each other and help help our whole community move forward and uh what what an example
4: uh they have been for all of us absolutely and and i'm sure that when a kid walks out of there or a student excuse me when a student walks out of there they feel good about the work that they've done and uh you know my father was always one of those individuals that works with his hands and his entire life, and and there's nothing better than walking away from, like, a good volunteer opportunity where you used your skills to improve somebody else's life, and I think those kids are getting much more value to their education than, uh, than in other realms of possibility. I only have about a minute left. Uh, if someone was interested in this program, what do they need to do? I only got a minute.
8: They just need to come out to the college and talk to our missions folks and um, come visit us at any time. They could come see any of the instructors in any of the tech programs or any program on campus, and they can come visit with us about doing that. There's also an opportunity, if somebody doesn't want to be a traditional college student, we have an apprenticeship, a federal apprenticeship that's a four-year apprenticeship program with all the home builders in town. Um, They can actually go be in the field and do 8,000 hours of work over four years and get a federal journeyman card. So there's a couple of different options that they can do. I can either get a certificate or two-year AAS degree or a apprenticeship.
4: Fantastic. I want to thank all of you for coming in this morning and speaking with me. It's been a pleasure as always. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Public Pulse on
0: 930
4: Are we? and 103.9 FM, Sheridan.
0: First Federal Bank and Trust presents the return of Dining for a Cause at Smith Alley Brewing on Monday, January 22nd from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m.
6: Our goal is to support local restaurants and nonprofits. On January 22nd, help us support the incredible work of the Sheridan Foster Parent Exchange.
0: First Federal will match the restaurant's proceeds from that day up to $10,000.
6: Dining for a Cause, Monday, January 22nd at Smith Alley Brewing with proceeds benefiting Sheridan Foster Parent Exchange. Dining
0: for a Cause presented by
6: First Federal Bank and Trust. Even though it's chilly outside, we feel the warmth of this community. Thank you for always supporting our small business. Hi, this is Elizabeth.
2: And J.T. Kraft from EBA Hearing and Sound. We are excited to share that Addison Dempsey, our new doctor of audiology, is now accepting patients.
6: Hi, I'm Dr. Addison Dempsey, and I'm so happy to be back home and working at EBA Hearing. I was born and raised here in Sheridan, and my husband and I are so excited to have the opportunity to raise our little girl in such an amazing community. As a doctor of audiology, I'm able to evaluate your hearing, program hearing needs from a variety of manufacturers and I am able to officially evaluate and diagnose auditory processing disorder for all ages. I also have special training from the American Institute of Balance for vestibular assessments. Help us
2: welcome Addison to the EBA hearing family.
6: We look forward to helping you reconnect to your loved ones through better hearing. Call to schedule your appointment today. EBA hearing and sound 674-8920. That's 674-8920.
2: Are you looking for what could be one of the best employment opportunities available today? Decker Coal is currently hiring mobile equipment operators. These are day shift positions with excellent benefits you could expect from an established company like Decker Coal. Experience is preferred, but they will train the right person. Are you interested in joining the team? Stop by the Sheridan Workforce Center and fill out an application. Decker Coal Company is an equal opportunity employer. Man, I just heard your car crying in the parking
3: lot. It really needs an oil change. I know you've been putting it off because of the cost, but here's a deal you can't pass up. Through January at Midas, buy an oil change, get a second one free to use by March. It's perfect to share with a family member. And Midas also gives your car a thorough inspection to identify any current problems and to help plan for any upcoming repairs. Helping your car care dollars go farther will keep you safely on the road. See Minus Tire and Auto in Sheridan.
7: Ladies, you know that one thing you've been dying to try but don't know how to get started? Well, I'm here to help. This is Candace Crane, General Manager at Sheridan Honda Power Sports, and I'd like to invite you to check out my podcast, I Want to Do That, Women Helping Women Explore the Outdoors. This episode, I'm talking to a fellow Wyomingite who loves the snow just as much as I do. Tana shares her transition from skiing to snowmobiling and tips on how you can get started exploring the backcountry. I want to do that.